0: men can count on contact cordell cordell cordell.com 1065 east hillsdale boulevard suite 310 foster city california 94404 Hello and welcome back in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. You can find all of my work as well as the whole Mile High Sports' team's work over at MileHighSports.com. Uh, go to MileHighSports.com, click that Nuggets icon in the top right corner for everything going on with our Nuggets content. We are just coming off of a Nuggets loss. They lost 125-113 to 113 against a team that the Nuggets are pretty much unable to... To beat with how they are currently constructed in the Houston Rockets. There was really just not much Denver could do for the majority of this game. They, I mean, to their credit, they battled the entire night. It didn't matter how much things seemed like they were getting out of hand for the Nuggets. They continued to battle and battle and battle and battle. But ultimately, they did end up falling 113 to 125. The game was b- between six and 13 points pretty much the entire night in this. Uh, especially in the second half, and a lot went into this. I mean, first off, this, the, the Rockets are the worst matchup for the Nuggets in the NBA. Yes, the Warriors are a better team. Yes, the Bucks are probably a better team. Yes, the Raptors are probably a better team. But the Rockets, as they are constructed... Or just, it's it's an atrocious matchup for the Nuggets, and it's really bared itself out as the Nuggets have lost, I believe, nine straight games to the Rockets now. A big reason why they lost tonight was that they got destroyed in the free throw and three-point battle. The Rockets get the majority of their points... from the three-point line, from the free throw line, and when it's not at either of those spots, it's in the paint. And if the if you get outscored as badly as Denver did from both of those two spots, there's just really nothing that a team can do to find a way to climb back into this game. And that's really what happened with Denver tonight. They tried to climb, you know, overcome the advantage that the Rockets had at the free throw line and the three-point line, but just didn't have enough in a tank to be able to do so. Um, also, the Nuggets starting unit just got eviscerated by the by the Houston Rockets starting unit, and this was the first time, which we'll also talk about, that Paul Millsap and Gary Harris had returned to the starting lineup since each of them were injured in early December. So it was the first time everybody was back. I don't think well it was clunky necessarily. I think that guys just missed shots, but I'll get into deeper detail with that later. Uh, the Nuggets bench unit, though, did look good again as the as the rotation kind of evens out and becomes normalized. Um, Monte Morris was great, Malik Beasley was hitting big shots, Mason Plumley was everywhere, Wancho didn't shoot well, but added some other things to the game. Really, the only player off the bench that struggled, in my opinion, was Trey Lyles, and I'll get into that. And then we will finish this podcast with some Twitter questions. Um, before I jump into everything that has to do with this podcast, though... Let me first give a shout-out to the Regulators Production Group. They are the people who created the intro and outro that you hear on this podcast, the beats you hear on this podcast. Um, They're awesome. Go on Instagram and check them out. That's the Regulators Production Group. And then in addition to that, Terrapin Care Station is the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. And let me give you a quick word from them as well. So the first thing that we just have to get to when it comes to the Nuggets games against the Rockets, really of any of, of any game they've played, is that this is just really the worst matchup for the Nuggets in the league. They have De- Denver has absolutely no chance to defend this Rockets team. There just isn't the personnel or the scheme that makes it work. The Nuggets play an aggressive pick and roll scheme because Nikola Jokic is so slow footed. But what that does, especially against um, the Rockets, is that if you have your Big in this case, Nikola Jokic hedging so far up the up up the um, up the floor, you know, towards the three point line. Clint Capella is just going to slip that screen every time and come off the screen wide open on the roll to get the ball, which is what happened in the first half. That's why he was so dominant in this game and really could get whatever he wanted. He had a career high thirty one points on thirteen of eighteen shooting, and pretty much all of it was offensive rebounding or rolling to the rim in the way that we that I'm talking about right now. It's just, if the weak side help isn't already there prepared for Clint Capella rolling to the rim, Denver really has no chance of slowing them down. But unfortunately, if the Nuggets did get there in time for Clint Capella, the... That, that meant that there was an open shooter, usually at the three-point line, because a defender had to leave that shooter on the perimeter to help at, with con Clint Capella at the rim. So that's why you saw P.J. Tucker go off in this game and finish with seven threes and 11 attempts. That's why you saw James Harden get 6 of 15 from three. That's why Gerald Green hit 6 of 10 from three. They were just consistently slicing the Nuggets up with a pick-and-roll or an isolation basketball, and they were exploiting the Nuggets' weak side help over and over and over again, and I tweeted this during the game, there just really isn't an answer for the Nuggets, because even if they drop their big, then you have James Harden either pulling up for three, um, just off the dribble, or he's getting downhill with full head of steam, towards Nikola Jokic, who at this point would be backpedaling dropping, if they just play it regular, and keep him right in the middle, then they're going to be able to get beat, for either shooters or backdoor cutters, because James Harden is such a good passer, and there just really isn't an answer for this Nuggets team. The, really, the biggest hope that they can have is that they just are able to shoot with or outshoot the um, the Rockets on their own. And with the Nuggets shooting seven of twenty nine from three, which is twenty four percent, and forty seven and a half percent from the field, just it just wasn't enough considering the free throw disparity that was in this game. And that's what I want to get into next is the free throw disparity because the Rockets attempted thirty four free throws in this game, while the Nuggets attempted twenty one, and that doesn't speak to how much of a disparity there was. I believe it was a 27 to 9 free throw attempt disparity in the first half alone. There was a point in the third quarter in which James Harden had more free throw attempts than the Nuggets did as a team. So by the time the game ended, the Nuggets had it had, you know, Given a nine-point advantage of the Houston Rockets from the charity stripe, but even worse than that was from the three-point line So like I said the Nuggets were seven of twenty nine from three in this game Just an absolutely abysmal mark, you know twenty four point one percent, but the Rockets were twenty two of forty seven That means the Nuggets were outscored by 45 points from the three-point line just from the three-point line that is 15 more made threes that the Rockets had that Denver did not so the The fact that Denver was even in this game, considering they were outscored by 54 points from the free throw line and the three-point line, is actually kind of spectacular in its own right. I mean, that is not a... A, de- a you know a deficit that teams can get over when playing against a team as talented as the Houston Rockets, and unfortunately, the Nuggets just ran out of time and ran out of energy and could not get, pull it out at the end. And that disparity was just too much to overcome. The other thing that was too much to overcome for the Nuggets was the fact that their starting unit really struggled. Whenever they were up against Houston's starting unit, it was basically a slow, methodical death for the Nuggets. There was just nothing they could do. Tory Craig finished minus 17 in his 25 minutes. Paul Millsap finished minus 14 in his 21 minutes. Nikola Jokic was a minus 22 in his 28 minutes. Gary Harris, minus 12 in 27 minutes. Jamal Murray, minus 24 in 29 minutes. When your entire starting lineup has an average of like an 18-point deficit, in the minutes that they played on the floor, you're going to have major, major issues. Denver was lucky that their bench unit was so strong in this game because, again, they should not have been within 12 points by the time this game ended. There were so many things going wrong for Denver in this game that there's no reason they should have been this close in this game. Torrey Craig was 1 of 6 from the field. He was just as cold as it gets. Um, He was great on the boards. He had 5 offensive rebounds, and I believe it was 3 offensive rebounds on 3 consecutive possessions in the third. Quarter to give the Nuggets just a chance at some life. So, him being an energy guy, he was there in that regard. But 0 of 3 from three point lane after being a strong shooter in the past couple weeks and 1 of 6 from the field just wasn't getting it done. Uh, Paul Millsap, 2 of 6 from the field, had three rebounds, two assists, but just not enough. They need more production in those 21 minutes. Gary Harris, 4 of 11 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. Jamal Murray, 5 of 13 from the field, 0 of 3. I mean, The Nuggets starters outside of Nikola Jokic shot just 12 of 36 from the field and then 2 of 11 from 3. They just did not have any kind of production outside of that starting group. And then even with Nikola Jokic, who was generally fantastic in this game, 24 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, he had 8 turnovers. Um, A few of those can be attributed to the fact that there was quite a, a bit of there, there was a lack of foul calls that Nikola Jokic was not drawing. He deserved to get more foul calls, and a lot of those non-calls led to turnovers. So there is that, but he shouldn't be anywhere near eight turnovers in a game. So even though the Nuggets' best starter, Nikola Jokic, played well, those eight turnovers were damning as well. Beyond that... um Paul Millsap and Gary Harris rejoined the starting lineup, but overall did not play well in this game. They were a combined 6 of 17 from the field and just really didn't have a good groove. I didn't think that there was any rust in terms of how guys fit. I think the chemistry was still there. I think that everybody understood their role and where to fit. I just think guys didn't play well tonight. I think when you shoot this badly, it's going to make the chemistry on the court look worse than it actually was. And that's what I saw in this game from Paul Millsap and Gary Harris being reintegrated in the starting lineup for the first time. So I don't think that this is a, a cause of worry that there may be issues with them rejoining the starting lineup. I think that guys just missed shots tonight when basically everybody outside of Nikola Jokic, Monte Morris, and Malik Beasley missed shots all night tonight. So again, you know, it wasn't great, but it looked fine to me. The one bad thing about Gary Harris return, returning to the starting lineup tonight was the fact that late in the third quarter he ended up having some kind of hamstring issue that prevented him from finishing the game or playing at all in that fourth quarter so hopefully Gary Harris is fine he told Michael Malone after the game that he was fine but Gary Harris is as tough as they come Malone did say there was some concern so we'll have to wait and see what that diagnosis is uh, whether it is tomorrow morning which would be Tuesday morning and see if it comes out then or at some point before the Nuggets tip off against the Heat but his availability is in question in that Miami game that is going to be the second night of a back-to-back after the Nuggets had lost to the Rockets. Moving forward, something positive. I know there's a lot of negative that I've hammered in this so far, but the Nuggets bench unit looked generally very, like back to who, uh, what they were to start the season when the Nuggets were generally healthy. So now that they had Nicole, or Gary Harris and Paul Millsap reintegrated into the starting lineup, that allowed Wancho Hernan Gomez and Mason Plumlee to return to the bench unit. And overall, the Nuggets looked good as a bench unit. Monte Morris finally had more weapons around him, which led to him having five assists against zero turnovers also had 3 rebounds and 2 steals, shot 9 of 13 from the field, had 21 points, and there was just more room for him to operate because there was more weapons around him offensively on the floor. Mason Plumlee was everywhere in this game. He was a defensive demon. He was just flying around defensively. And 2 of 2 from the field, had 6 points, had a good stretch late in the game. I think it was the start of the 4th quarter. Had a big and 1 for the Nuggets when they needed it, and hit a couple big free throws late in that game. Um, And generally was a good player, Malik Beasley was strong in this game, may have only been 2 of 7 from 3, but was 6 of 11 from the field 3 rebounds, an assist a steal was the big ball of energy that the Nuggets had hoped he would be, and then last but not least Wancho Hernan Gomez, while he didn't shoot well from the floor he was one of five from three. All of his attempts were from three. He added five rebounds and three assists in his 19 minutes, didn't turn the ball over, and was a plus seven. The only player off the bench that I thought was rough was uh, was Trey Lyles. Um, he he just isn't there right now. I don't know what it is, but defensive lapses, the inability to catch passes that are thrown his way. Um, on top of that, he's just cold from the field, another 0 of 2 night from the three-point line. At this point... Trey Lyles is probably just going to have to be eradicated from this rotation, especially once once Will Barton comes back healthy. There was a a Twitter question that I'll get to in in a second about Trey Lyles. We'll talk about it more then. But overall, another negative performance from Trey Lyles. Alright, it is now time for what everybody knows is my favorite segment of this podcast, and that is answering some questions from Twitter followers and people who uh, listen to the show. Um, There was a bunch of questions that came in after this game, and I only picked about four of them to get to because I don't want this podcast to go extremely long, and plus I do have a bunch of writing to do, so I tried to limit it a little bit. So I picked four questions that I thought were pertinent to what is going on with the Denver Nuggets as they are currently constructed and where they stand right now. Now, Um, first one was from Ac dog on Twitter. Um, He said, should Malone shorten the rotation and take Craig and Lyles out? So there's a lot to unpack in this one. So I don't think Tory Craig is going to be out of the rotation entirely at any point unless it gets to a point where Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez are just so thoroughly outplaying them, outplaying him and the Nuggets are fully healthy that they just don't feel like going to him anymore. So from my point of view, Tory Craig is going to be in this rotation so long as Will Barton is out for sure. But even once Will Barton gets back, there's a high likelihood that he still has some role. When it comes to Trey Lyles, though. I think even in this game, Michael Malone could have completely cropped out Trey Lyles' minutes and given them to Juancho Hernan and Gomez and played a nine man rotation instead of a ten man rotation. I mean, Lyles is was not, it's just, he isn't giving the Nuggets enough to justify giving him 17 minutes a night. If you split those 17 minutes up and gave Juancho another nine minutes, and then on top of that, you gave, um, you know, Malik Beasley another five and you gave Tory Craig another five, it makes a lot more sense in that regard guard to get those kinds of switchable high energy defensive minded and or good shooters on the floor and it gives Monte Morris more weapons to go to because right now Trey Lyles is not being defended as, as if he's a shooter he's not making the shots to punish defenses for leaving him and he's not adding enough beyond that to be able to justify his minutes so I think that at some point Malone is going to shorten this rotation and it could be as soon as um, once the Nuggets get through this five games in seven night stretch. Um, The Nuggets are going to need as much depth as they can get for such an intense stretch of basketball. Guys are going to be exhausted, but after that when the schedule starts to calm down a little bit I do think that you could see Michael Malone eliminate Trey Lyles from the rotation and once Will Barton gets back, I don't think there's going to be a spot for Trey Lyles. I think that all three of Wancho, Torrey, Craig, and Malik Beasley have outplayed him enough to where when Will Barton comes back you just roll with those three wings and you pick one of them to play backup power forward minutes and just not play Trey Lyles. So that's how I see it playing out. We'll just have to wait and see what Michael Malone thinks. Malone has shown a lot of confidence in Trey Lyles even amidst all of his struggles that he has had. He has said that an aggressive Trey Lyles and is is an effective Trey Lyles. He's been like rebounding for him during three-point drills and believes in him. So it could be a little bit longer Before we see Mike Comolone pull the plug on Trey Lyles, but I do think with things with how the current trajectory is headed, that we are moving towards Trey Lyles not being in this rotation. Um, Lord Ruthven on Twitter asked, "Is it time to be concerned about the defense?" And I cannot. But disagree with this more vehemently in any way. I mean, the Nuggets was played against a team who is, first of all, a lethal offensive force, and it's arguably the worst matchup for them. They just started their two best defensive players for their first time back from injury in this game and have are still a top-10 defense. As the, you know, overall for the entire season, according to defensive rating. To bail on this defense already is just not fair to the work that the Nuggets have done defensively. The effort is still there the majority of the time. They're going to figure some things out, but to bail on this defense after they had gotten beaten by a team that is just flat out the worst matchup for them is not fair to anybody in that regard. The Nuggets should not be bailed on that quickly, and their defense is much better than it has looked in the month of. January. I do think that it could it will bounce back as Paul Millsap and Gary Harris get their legs under them, and it'll be a slowly but surely progression, but I don't think it's time to bail on this defense yet at all. Um, Andrew on Twitter, actually we got two Andrews on Twitter asking questions. The first Andrew asked, did you see anything that the Nuggets can go to during a playoff series against Houston? I think the one thing that was notable in this game was that Nikola Jokic was able to get his offense whenever he felt like it. And if Nikola Jokic is able to do that and is able to score in this way whenever he wants, just to go to the bucket and, you know, create for himself when he needs to. It allows the Nuggets to at least get the Rockets on their heels. Um, Outside of that, there wasn't a damn thing that made me feel good about a playoff series with the Rockets. If the Nuggets did did end up in a first-round playoff series with the Rockets, I'd be surprised if the Nuggets grabbed more than two wins in that series. It is just such a bad matchup for Denver, and there's just not much they can do with that matchup. Um, Second, Andrew on Twitter asked, Why can't the Nuggets scheme or execute against Houston? Because, like I said earlier, there is just no matchup that helps or is exploitable for the Nuggets. Their bench unit can outplay Houston's bench unit sometimes, as long as their bench doesn't get hot from three. Like, Gerald Green going six of ten from three in this game tonight. Um, I think that... But, like, beyond that, there just isn't much the Nuggets can do. Like... Uh, defensively, the Nuggets are always at the whim of whatever Houston wants to do. They do not have the personnel to fix this. Offensively, they just have to flat-out outscore the Rockets to win these games. That's really all this comes down to, and if their shots don't fall like they didn't against the Rockets on Monday night, it just go- it's just going to be a long night for Denver, and that's exactly what we saw. But the one thing that's important to see from this game to answer you know a little bit of both Andrew's questions is that the resiliency of this Nuggets team did not disappear as things went wrong for them against the Rockets. They they continued to battle, continued to fight, continued to chip away that lead until there just wasn't enough time left for them to do so. So I think that is a very important distinction to make is that if the Nuggets do catch a lucky break or something does cut right for them, suddenly they put themselves in a position where they could have won this game even though they were outplayed because of the resiliency that they showed. But beyond that, There's not a whole lot of positives to take away from this game. The one positive that I have is that I had... Record views and listens for this podcast throughout the month of t- or the year of 2018. Thank you so much to all of the listeners for helping me support this podcast and build it up to what it is right now. I wouldn't be anything without the listeners. So, again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Terrap and Carry Station for being the presenting sponsor of this show. Thank you, Regulators Production Group, for making this podcast sound even more professional than it once was. And honestly, thank you again. Just uh, I can't say it enough. Thank you again to all of the listeners. There is for supporting this podcast and keeping it going and keeping it strong. Make sure you go to iTunes to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, leave a five-star rating, leave a comment, go on to my Twitter at TJ McBride MBA. Leave me some feedback. Let me know that something that you would want to hear in the podcast. If you want to sponsor this show, you can reach out to me on my Twitter at TJ McBride MBA or on my email, tmcbride 3793 at Gmail. But until next time, that is the, the end of the Never Nuggets to the podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12th handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to GEICO and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson.